Hello and welcome to Meeting Cute, the podcast where we give romantic comedies the attention they always deserve and rarely get. My name is Brendan Hodgden. And I'm Sharon Lugashi. And uh, today, by request, we are going Yay. to be discussing uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, um, the new Netflix uh, high school rom-com, uh, which stars Lana Condor and, Loa, and Noah... Centineo, um, directed by Susan Johnson and written by Sofia Alvarez based on the novel by Jenny Han. Um, Sharon, you want to run everyone down the plot? I sure. feel like people, less, fewer people might have seen this one. Yeah, it's, it's relatively recent. I feel like we're coming to the game a little bit late, um, mm. but it, it, it did only come out, I think, a, f- a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. But anyway, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm going to run through the plot weirdly long summary that I wrote up here, so I apologize for the length, but whatever. So, our protagonist, Laura Jean Covey, is a high school junior who has a habit of writing love letters to boys that she's had major crushes on in the past, um, which she never sends. There are five letters total. Uh, Her current crush is on Josh, her friend who also happens to be her sister Margot's boyfriend, at least before Margot breaks up with him at the start of the movie, since she's going to college in Scotland. Laura Jean is still nursing these feelings when Peter Kavinsky, another former crush, approaches her with his letter. He tells her he's flattered, but since his girlfriend literally just broke up with him, um, he isn't really interested. Um, But meanwhile, Laura Jean's just freaking out that he somehow uh, got the letter that she wrote. Um, And then as he's talking, she sees Josh approaching her with his letter, and so to get him to not approach her, she kisses Peter and then runs away. Um, eventually Peter finds her to see what the hell that was all about, um, and she explains her crush on her sister's ex and all the problems that that entails, uh, and he ultimately comes up with an idea. They should fake being in a relationship so that she can avoid Josh and he can make his ex, Jen, who is also Laura Jean's former friend, jealous. She she eventually agrees, uh, and they lay out a contract which includes no kissing, um... And that Peter has to write her notes every day to make Jen jealous. They have to see 16 Candles and Fight Club. Um, and Laura Jean has to go to the class ski trip in three months if they're still pretending to be together by then. Um, as part of their fake relationship, he sort of takes her to a party where you could see immediately Jen starts to get jealous. And then Peter and Laura Jean start to bond. She opens up about her mom's passing when she was little and how it made her avoid sort of real relationships. And he understands because his dad left his family um, and started a whole new one. Uh, so they become closer over time, and eventually Josh finally gets to talk to Laura Jean to see what's going on. And she tells him that she doesn't know how to be friends with him anymore now that he knows how she felt uh, and that they can't really talk anymore. So some time passes. Laura Jean and Peter are still friendly um, and still sort of bonding, and she's coming out of her shell a bit socially, uh, which makes Jen more and more jealous. So it, it starts to feel like it's developing into more of like a real thing. Uh, finally, it's almost time for the ski trip, and Laura Jean overhears Jen start to make moves on Peter. She implies that she's going to break up with her current boyfriend and such. And she's really hurt and tries to end things, saying that Jen is already sufficiently jealous and that it's gone on longer than either of them expected. But Peter says she's just trying to bail on the ski trip, um, and she does eventually uh, go, but she refuses to sit next to Peter on the bus, and she mostly avoids him. So she confesses to her friend Lucas on the trip that the relationship is sort of secret and fake. Um, and he tells her that she's wrong, and he can tell that Peter does like her for real. She decides to go talk to him while he's in the hot tub, and he tells her that he wanted to hang out with her, and even got her bus snacks. 
she's touched um, because it seems like they're both sort of finally admitting that their feelings are real, um, and they ultimately make out in the hot tub. So the next day when they come home and they're getting off the bus, Jen comes over and tells Lara Jean that Peter spent the night in her room, and so she's deeply hurt and breaks things off with Peter. And then when she gets home, she sees that Margot is home early for the holidays. Peter comes to talk to her and tries to explain what happened, but Laura Jean asks him to leave. This sentence is going to take me a second to say. It's very complex, but okay. So Laura Jean asks him to leave. Josh walks by at that point and tries to get Peter to leave. So then Peter thinks Laura Jean is breaking up with him really because she still loves Josh. And Margo overhears that and thinks Laura Jean is trying to date Josh. You with me? Cool. To make matters worse, a video goes up showing Laura Jean and Peter making out in the hot tub and it looks like they're having sex. So she goes to Margo for help. They get the video removed, and they make up, and Laura Jean says that she would never try to date Josh now since they have a history. Uh, so the sisters vow not to lie to each other, and then Kitty, who I have not mentioned yet, she's their younger sister, uh, confesses that she actually mailed the letters. At school, people try to shame Laura Jean about the sex tape, sex in quotes, because they didn't have sex, but Peter tells everyone nothing happened, and then after a pep talk from her dad and an open talk with Josh, um, where she sort of explains how she was feeling, Laura Jean starts to admit that she really likes Peter. And then when Kitty shows her that she saved all the notes that Peter wrote her while they were fake dating, she realizes that she finally has some love letters of her own. So she faces her fears and tells Peter she does like him. And he tells her that he only went to see Jen to tell her it was really over since he loves Laura Jean. And they kiss. And then, you didn't see this. I watched it twice. Brandon watched it once. I watched it just last night to write the synopsis. Uh, there's a mid credit scene where one of the boys that she liked in elementary school shows up at her door with a letter. Yeah. So possible sequel. I think the, the book is actually a trilogy. Okay. Or something. Definitely multiple books, I believe. Or I could be lying. So, Brendan, what did you think about To All the Boys I've Loved Before? It's a, it's a good movie. Um, it's, it's very... It has a nice... Um, personality to it and, like, a very, like... Like, it's very, like, earnest and, like, not... It's... It, you know, in, in contrast to our last episode, it is not shrill at all. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's very um, very honest and committed about what it's trying to say and what it's about and um, how it explores it. Um, I think the, the cast is, like, uniformly pretty great. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's, you know, hitting, you know, what they're supposed to be doing pretty well. Um, and most of the characters are pretty fully fleshed out and, like, they feel like real people. Like, Jen's the one that, like, is just sort of, like, not. And even so, like, we'll talk about her, but I thought the scene where she confronts her in the bathroom was, like... No, she's given, her, she's given her motivation, but she's mm-hmm. the only character that 100% just feels like you are an obstacle and an yeah, adversary and you have no other role here. Like It also feels like maybe there's, like, a scene missing. Yeah. With a resolution there, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, um, but yeah, so I liked it overall. Mm-hmm. Um... But obviously you thought it was terrible, right? Yeah, clearly. No, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't remember. We only watched this like less than a week ago for the first mm-hmm. time. I don't remember what was going on, but I remember feeling like the first time we watched it, I was like, oh, it just felt so good. Oh, it was uh, my birthday weekend. Yeah. Um, it was Sunday night, uh, and we watched it, um, and I was just feeling like it was like a, such a nice cap to the day just because it, was, it felt so – and I don't want this to sound dismissive because it's not how I mean it – it felt like like perfect like escapism, mm-hmm. you know, like for like a second, like for or an hour and a half, however long the movie is. It just sort of feels like like you're in this world and everything feels like a little bit cozy and safe. It's the same way that like you feel like watching Gilmore Girls sometimes, mm-hmm. where it's like the film equivalent of just like cozying up with a blanket on the couch. And I really like that. And last night, 
I rewatched it. Yesterday was a difficult day uh, for all women in the country. I don't know when we're going to release the episode, but to contextualize the Kavanaugh hearings. And, um, you know, I just had a stressful day in general, and, and that obviously was a, really a shit show. And then I just came home and watched this, and I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, it just felt, mm-hmm. feels like such a beautiful relief. I really, really loved it for a lot of reasons that we'll discuss. Um, um, I'm curious about the books. They are a trilogy. I just found out. So I could totally see why it was recommended, um, just in general, like for the podcast, but also just in general. I feel like a lot of people like it so much, and um, I can definitely see why. It's just delightful is the word that I would use. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, have we covered high school here we, before? We did 16 Candles. We did 16 Candles, other than that. Um, I was going to double check this, actually. I don't think we ever did I don't think we have either. <laughs> Let's both look. Well, I mean, theoretically, I like, it's not high school, it's middle school, but um, 13 going on 30, portions of it really, really Yeah, but that barely qualifies. That's kind of a stretch for us. Yeah, but it's all, but I think um, adolescence, I mean, the, the main character is still technically There's 13, like the, the Liam Neeson's kids section in Love Actually. Yeah, I wouldn't count that. If, yeah. we're, if we're digging that's rosin. Yeah, 16 Candles is the only one that we've covered, I believe, um, <coughs> which is pretty apt. Yeah. Considering it gets not quite a shout out here, but a really good it's acknowledged little here. bit, yeah, yeah, um, we have no details. Yeah, that's like um, that. Um, so it, it's interesting that we really haven't, and, and even when we talk about sixteen candles, um, I feel like most of what we talked about was sort of how dated yeah. it was, and you know, John Hughes and the whole eighties thing for better or worse. Um, whereas, like, this is the first time I think we're talking about something that kind of feels, like, fresh. I'm, I'm really curious what high schoolers feel about this movie. I mean, oh, yeah. I, know, I know that the stars are, like, huge now, so I imagine that it's really well-liked. But, I mean, I, again, I watched this on my birthday weekend, so I just turned 27, so it's been 10 years yeah. since I was in high school. Um, it, it made me feel old in a weird way, but also, like, really, like, young. It, it's interesting because... I would not equate this with my high school experience. No, no. I mean, not really, no. I mean, and you especially, because you didn't really have... I don't know. I went to know guys high school. Exactly. So you wouldn't have had this dynamic. Not really. Uh, I mean, I think it's like... I, I think it relates to... Like, it, feel, it feels familiar mm-hmm. in an abstract way. In, in the same that. way that, you know, like, other, like stylized high school shows like like you know I guess like, like Buffy or Veronica Mars would where it's like even if you didn't live that experience there's something about it where it's like yeah it this feels, feels like universal. a thing um, you know like there's something like one of the things I thought that was interesting about the dynamics of the cast is that, again aside from Jen who's more like consistently and, and almost cartoonishly adversarial mm-hmm. at times yeah. like everyone's kind of just like there together and everyone's kind of friendly and yeah. kind of you know like there's never that's where to get at, yeah. pretty much anyone is like you know it just feels like everyone's kind of like circling around and mixing into different social groups and there's no like there's no clicks and there's no obvious like oh these are the geeks you don't get the, the mean girl scene of like here's where everybody sits in the cafeteria yeah. and I'm an outcast yeah so I think when we talk about like high school movies it's not really a rom-com but like this the seminal scene for me that really sort of shifted the way I look at high school stuff is in 21 Jump Street when they're walking into the high school for the first time and, and they're like, oh, I know those guys. Those are jocks. I don't know what the fuck those things are. Yeah. Like, clicks are different now. But, like, really, 21 Jump Street for me, if you watch it, it's all about how, like... The, the kids this, aren't actually hateful. And, exactly. And, and this, like, 80s anymore. view of, like, what the clicks are and who's the popular kids. Like, it's not really all that relevant. I don't know how true that is. I went to, you went to an all-boys school. I went to a school, I think I talked about this, um, that was uh, a technical high school. You had to, like, 
test to get in essentially uh, or like do a lot of the qualifying things and basically it's like to put it annoyingly like it's a high school for advanced students um so like basically we were a high school full of nerds and yeah. so I feel like that kind of throws off the dynamics there were definitely the popular kids and jocks but like it yeah, I mean, wasn't this stereotypical high school thing. So I've never been certain if I just didn't have that experience and some people do, or if what I suspect is that's not the real experience. Yeah, anymore. no, I mean, in Obviously, my, there are bullies and things well, yeah, like I mean, that. Let's not pretend that high school was great. In my case, like, there were definitely groups that were just like, oh, these are like the, the bro-y dudes that are like, that play football and whatever. And then like, there were, but like my group, for example, was just like a bunch of random disparate, like, okay, well, these guys are the academics yeah. and these guys are the gamers. My, and these guys, my it's group like a bunch of well. different we were just like groups, you know. Friends that didn't But then like, we also all had like other separate social circles that we crossed paths yeah. with and mixed with depending on the classes we were in and all that and so the way all these characters kind of just like at various points are like oh well, I'm friendly with you so we're bullshitting about this issue but then I'm also hanging out with these other people and we're right. fine there that's too like, like the most not. you'll get is that Josh calls Peter like a dumb jock but that's because they're like romantic rivals and right in a for a sense. moment like, in a broad sense yeah. too yeah and, and yeah I agree I feel like that's one of the things that I really really loved about this is uh, especially with Laura Jean's character but in general with all of them um this portrayal of like somebody who isn't in one clique or one particular social circle and just like hangs out. So like, I mean, she, she says that outside of Margot and Josh, who like obviously are not really kind of in her life beginning, Chris is kind of her one friend. Right. She says, but like she, when other people are talking to her, like, I feel like a weaker movie would have played up, up her awkwardness right. or and her outcastness. When, like, Lucas comes to talk to her, like, she's so, like, cool about it. She's just like, yeah, I just want you to know that I wrote this letter a long time ago. You know, she's fairly comfortable talking to Peter. Yeah. You know, she her arc is really that she's uncomfortable sort of getting close to people because of her mom. But she's not this, like, outcast. She's not this super awkward, uncomfortable character. She's just kind of, like, this kind of chill character. And I thought that that was really cool and probably more relevant to people's experiences. Just like, you have some groups of friends, you have your close friends, you're friendly right. with other people. And there are specific moments where you're going to feel like everyone's looking at me and I'm a nightmare mm-hmm. and the whole, thing's, the whole thing's terrible, but like other moments you're just around. Exactly. Cares. Um, you know, so yeah, that, that's a really nice thing right out of the gate where it just, it doesn't like lean into these like antagonistic, like uh, archetypal, like uh, groups and characters. Right. Uh, sorts like right out of the gate. Like it, it sort of lets everyone sort of breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is good. Um, and to, to go further into that, it's like there's also like just looking at Lucas, for example, as a character. It's like he's like after a certain point becomes like the gay best friend in the story. But only for like one scene. He's but, not actually in the movie that much. I mean, there's a point later on in the movie like, like where he and... Where they're doing the Korean face masks. No, but even before that, like there's a point in the, in the, in the school where like he and... Um, and Chris are, like, hanging out with her in the hallway. Like, they're all, like, walking around and talking about something together. I forget when. No, you're, that's after. Well, whatever, but it's still when, a thing. When they go to the... That's what they're talking about, the sex tape. Yeah, but it's still yeah. a thing that... Yeah, I mean, they're friends. I, and, and Chris calls him over, like, Lucas, come convince Lara Jean to ski with me. Right. So, like, yeah, like, he sort of gets added to her group Right, of and then the thing that's good about it is that, like, he's, like, the gay best friend, but, like, it doesn't lean into any of those shitty tropes no. either. Like, he's just, like, a normal... He's just a dude. Like, the closest that it know. comes to is he's, like, he doesn't want to ski, but they don't play up, like, that he doesn't want to ski for some sort of stereotypical reason. Yeah, so like, he's just like, like, oh, it's cold. Activities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what I would do. Yeah, so, I mean, so yeah, that sort of stuff is good, too, that most people don't... I mean, and again, like, you know, Lara Jean, like, you know, like, there are a lot of ways that, like, you know, and they even talk about it with 16 Candles, like, mm-hmm. there's a point where they're watching it, and, um, 
uh, and Peter asks, like, you know, why? Like, like he complains yeah. about Lawn Duck Don. He's like, why are you okay with watching this? Like, doesn't this upset? Doesn't this upset you or something? Yeah. And it's like, but that's the thing is that you look at Laura Jean as a character, and it's like the fact that she's Asian is not like played up or leaned into in any way. It's like, interesting. Like, yeah. There's no so, no one even had there's no like archetypal expectations in the way the character's constructed or the way people react to her. And that being said, though, uh, originally, like in making the movie, some people. Some of the producers that they went to were like, why can't she be white? Why well, does she have to be why? Asian? Go, go and I think Jenny Han or, or the director, I forget who, was like, no, make this character Asian. And they're like, well, what does it matter if it's about her spirit or whatever? Like, yeah, the spirit is the same. She's like, well, her spirit is Asian American. Um, yeah, so I feel like I, I agree with what you're saying, that it's not like she's some sort of like played up stereotype, although I'd hope that we'd be on that for a protagonist at well, least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's like a nice, nice thing that's just sort of in the background of her... Her character. What's yeah. interesting about it is her mom, like we said, had had passed on early on. Like we don't see her mom. Obviously, right. it seems like it's. They said it happened when she was little. Yeah, but old enough to remember her slightly at least. Um, and so she's raised by her dad, who is white. Um, they're biracial. Uh, dad played by John no, Corbett, Corbett, which I did not know going into the movie, and I was so delighted to yeah, see him yeah, in, awesome. a, in a repeat he's performance. Oh yeah. God! Um, yeah, he's delightful. So Twice. like. I, Two ways. Wasn't he also serendipity? serendipity? What do you also? Oh my god, my big fat wedding. Of course, <laughs> I was thinking about serendipity. Why would that be the first? Much one? smaller role. Uh, no, it's just I had a brain fart. Of course. Um, yeah. So the delightful John Corbett and I watched my big fat wedding too. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's sort of the background of the character too is having this sort of culture that she isn't like as connected to. I know that um, Lana Condor has talked about that in her life too because she's adopted mm. um, so she said that that sort of resonated with her so like I do think that it is relevant to the character and definitely to the performance but it's not played up in any it's not played up in any like way. obviously and again like <laughs> the low bar to set but I well, do yeah. appreciate that yeah um, I know some people have criticized that none of the um, boys are are Asian and, mm. and in fact well, I, almost all of them are white except for Lucas mm, yeah um, and that's a, another conversation that people are having about the movie in general but in terms of the main female character and even like Margot is a large presence in this movie. Um, I thought that performance was really yeah. good and that character just as interesting, just as not stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really great. You know, I love sort of sister relationships mm-hmm. and parental relationships in rom-com. So it had that, but yeah, I agree that like it didn't feel like any of the characters and I guess, except for Jen were stereotypical in any way. So we would talked about like not stereotyping the Asian American characters, but even beyond that, like, Peter's not a jock. Yeah, he's very, he's very sensitive. He's so genial. Like, yeah. And yeah, very sensitive, very Which sweet. Which plays into... Jo- Josh could have been like somebody who's like more emo or more sensitive. Yeah, and, and he's not. He's just yeah. like a dude. I loved that. Yeah, what were you saying? Yeah, one thing that was particularly like that, that I think really helps uh, Peter as a character is if I didn't know uh, Noah Centineo. Like, Centineo. Whatever. Like, is, uh, like, I, like, the whole movie I kept getting, like, Mark Ruffalo vibes off Yeah, him. I thought that was so funny, actually, because you and I both, at separate parts, points of the movie, had to, like, step back and be like, what is this guy's thing? thing. So you, I think, said that he was a Mark Ruffalo slash Dave Franco, right? Sort of, yeah, initially. Dave Franco I could see in the face. Mark Ruffalo could also see in the face, but also just, like, his demeanor. His voice. Like, he sounds like Mark He Ruffalo. does. But then I countered with the fact that I think he looks like Pete Davidson's hot cousin, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. also think is true, and he does have a similar thing. So he's, like, a very... It's just funny. Um, so going in, into the movie, I didn't know much about it. I knew that it was based off a, 
a series of novels. I knew that people really loved it. And I knew that there were two guys in it. And I knew that one of them, the internet loved, and he's a delightful person. And one of them, I don't want to say he's an asshole, but like had some shitty tweets and people turned on him. But I didn't know which one was which. And I was like, oh my God, which is it? Which is it? Like 20 minutes into the movie, I had to Google it. Because I was like, I hope that it's not the one that... I like better yeah. <laughs> not to be shitty and it wasn't Noah Centineo is apparently wonderful and yeah. the other guy but it's so a... sorry, less so but um, I just think it's funny because I mean he's, he kind of became one of the breakout stars yeah. of the movie he's also in Sierra uh, Burgess um, that movie loser. is a loser um, but a lot of people like that movie uh, less apparently yeah. but um, so it's a big summer for him apparently poor guy gets like followed in the airport so I, I knew going in that like one of these guys like took off yeah I'm like, which is it? And I knew it had to be this guy just because he has an air about him that, like, I think is why we're both like, yeah. what's his deal? Um, yeah, it is. He, he's got, like, a really cool vibe, and I think he plays his character really well. Yeah. Was like, on a certain level, he kind of ends up, I think the other aspect of it is, like, yeah, like, there's a lot of elements of it that feel Mark Ruffalo-y, which yeah. gives him, like, uh, which automatically gives you, like, this, this element of, like, sensitivity and, like, soft-spokenness that, like... You know, is it's a good association, yeah. But also, like, then, then, like, you know, when combined with like, his body type and everything, he also kind of gives like a bit of a Channing Tatum thing where it's like, oh, you're a jock who's not a jock, you're a like, sweet jock, yeah, you know, which is an interesting, but he's not like an idiot, either, no, yeah, no, you yeah. know what I mean? He's a popular guy, but he's like friendly to every, like, it, it's again, like, it feels like a more sort of healthy, realistic nuance, idea, yeah. yeah and the performance is good, the chemistry is good, but yeah, I just thought it was funny that throughout the movie, we're all like, this guy reminds me of someone. Because um, he just has like a charisma about him, which is really cool. It's interesting. I feel like just to, to keep talking about this character for a minute, um, you know, everybody loves him, and, and you could totally see why. It's just like a very sort of sweet. I mean, I was gonna say that he seems like the type. If you had kids, like he's like exactly the type of the guy you'd want your daughter to like have her first real relationship with, just because he's like very caring, he's very sensitive. And that's what essentially happens in the movie because she gets a yeah. whole conversation with John Corbett yeah. about it. Um, although we should talk about that. That's a very sweet scene. Mm-hmm. But it, I think looking through the, our podcast, there aren't a lot of movies where I feel like I really genuinely like the male protagonist as much as the female protagonist, at least. Um, Sorry, Billy Crystal. No, I would say Billy Crystal is up there. I I don't think that he's, like, swoon-worthy, but I, I, I think when Harry Met Sally is its own thing. Um, but in general, I feel like, maybe it's just because I hate men in general, but I don't typically think, like, oh, what a delight. You know what I mean? Yeah. This character, I thought, was legitimately swoon-worthy in yeah. a way that you don't actually see a lot in romantic comedies, which is great. Well, because yeah, it's also an element of, like, his character, for the most part, is not... Like, like his arc in the story is not... I'm going to be rehabilitated by the female character. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Like, I mean, there is, like, their thing, you know, there is an element of him having to sort of get over and recognize that, like, Jen is, is a closed a door that I need to... Thing. No, like, of course. Yeah, it's not like, and it's I have a he, personality flaw that a woman will fix. Yeah, but that's the thing. getting over a relationship. But that's the thing. That's something he mo- that he mostly does on his own. It's not like he's, like, leaning on uh, Lara Jean a lot to, like, get cathartic. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he is using her to make well, his ex but, jealous. But the best but, yeah, active the, thing that they're the emotional doing, thing. Like, it's just sort of, and, and, and that's a theme in the in the movie, um, which she ends up having to talk with Josh about. Where she was like, "When Margot broke up with you, did you immediately 
um, stop loving her. And he was just like, no, it just sort of changed over time. And as we got more distance, I sort of felt like I understood her decision. And that's essentially what happens with him. Right. He said, like, my feelings for Jen aren't going to just go away. We have a history. And then as the movie sort of goes on. They think. Exactly, which I think is just like such a healthy outlook yeah. on like, and especially with the Josh and Margot thing, actually. Um, so Margot breaks up with Josh because she said, I thought that scene was so, so, so interesting. So she comes to Laura Jean's room after she breaks up with him and she, this is the beginning of the movie and Laura Jean's like, why? But you love him. And she doesn't deny that she does. She just says like, yeah, but mom said before she died, mom told me to never go to college with a boyfriend, which I thought was really... It felt very sort of real. Yeah. You know? And then I kind of thought that they would have some sort of resolution with that sort of subplot where once she comes back, she would admit that she does still love Josh and, and that they would reconcile because she didn't break up with him because she didn't love him. She broke up with him right. because she thought she wasn't supposed to go to college with a boyfriend. But really, the movie sort of lets that be it. And yeah. I think that that's really awesome in, in yeah. a way. It's much more sensitive. It's much more realistic, too, like we keep on going back to. But it's also just, like, really nuanced where, I mean, truly, she's going away to Scotland. She shouldn't have a boyfriend. The, a relationship likely would fade out. Yeah. And it just feels a lot more realistic that it happens that way. Well, I was saying, for, for all of the the uh, plot machinations and heightened elements mm-hmm. of it, it's like there is a lot of emotional honesty at the point yes. of it. Which is well, just part of the reason that all the rest of it is, like, workable. Exactly. Um, but on that note, though, there's another thing I thought that was interesting is that this is a case where... As we've talked about a lot, uh, for my benefit, uh, over this podcast, like start, you know, going from like last week's episode with how there was a guy in 10 days, um, to like going all the way back to uh, while you were sleeping is that like, it's that element of that so many rom-coms seem to be predicated on these insane nonsensical plot machinations Mm -hmm. that like by the end of it, like, e- there's no way that you can have, like, the nice, happy, romantic ending unless either the characters don't act like people or unless, like, they, like, are sociopaths and mm-hmm. the movie's not being honest about the fact that they're, like, massively maladjusted. And so what I think is interesting in this case is that a lot of that stuff feels justified and validated by the fact that they're in high school. Like, I think yeah. that the high school setting makes that all work partially because they're kids and they're emotionally mature and they don't know any better. So why wouldn't they do they're stupid more fallible, shit like this? Yeah. But also because in high school, it's like, these are people that you're trapped with socially for years and there's no way to get out of it. Like, you're, which again, goes back to the fact that like everyone's like not really on like bad terms with each other. Everyone's kind of like, all right, well, whatever that thing was, we're just still here. So we'll still not and be totally like, negative. At the same time, it like raises stakes in exactly. a lot of different ways. But that's right? the, because it's like, you can't just be like, all right, I'm moving on. That's I the lost thing. my job, whatever. Like, that's the thing. I mean, it's a, but that's the thing that, that's really infuriating about so many like adult rom-coms is that it's like, it becomes this heightened, insane, like, uh, the like, characters like not, not have to thing. become more heightened and more unrealistic to justify the plot. But not even that. It's also a case that again, wait, but I mean, there is that. <laughs> but I guess the, the other aspect of it too is that it's just like, you're an adult. You can just not see these people anymore. It right. doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Right. Whereas like, in this case, it's like, no, you're stuck with these kids. Like, so also, you, there's so, a certain... so much more normal in high school to get really invested in your friends' relationships and counsel them on that. Yeah, stuff that's the thing. So You have less of your own life. So, so many of the, of the yeah. tropes and so many of the specific plot machinations of this story feel more earned and, and not entirely real. They're still, you know, it's a fantastical element to the right. movie for sure, but but they feel more they, 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 they don't undercut the honesty here. I agree. 
what I kind of thought you were going to get at, um, which I also think is interesting. So you're talking about like movies where like there's like this false premise and then a character finds out and, and it's like the, situ- the rom-coms where like the situation is the plot right. and then a relationship develops out of that. And this has that. Yes. But I think the main distinction, and we haven't covered a lot of these movies yet, is that they it's a, the fake relationship trope. And so they're both entering into this right. deception together. What's interesting is that it's kind of the reverse of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days yeah. in that they're both in this inadvertently fake relationship and they both willfully did that but they don't realize the other one's in on it in this case they that's do fine. realize that and that's so like a right. choice being made to begin with you're so right and so so much of that stuff even down to the fact that they have the stupid contract it's like yeah only teenagers would be smart and would think that oh this is something that will actually control our emotions and keep the, the boundaries no it's cute but it is one of those things where I mean have we watched something where somebody does something like that a contract well, not pretty woman well but. I was gonna say pretty woman has the no kissing role which well, yes. this movie does have as well um, have we watched a movie with a love contract? I feel like that, 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 that it rings a bell to me where I feel like I, we've, we or I have watched a thing where that was done and it was like a I'm not sure for the like, podcast. Like, I've definitely seen stuff like that before in a few movies. And it was like, what are you talking about? And I've like, seen stuff like that before, but I don't know if we did it for the pod. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, like that's absurd. But like in this case, it's like they're teenagers. It's like, yeah, of course they would think that that's going to be sufficient to like – put boundaries on their relationship and, like, not have it be a problem. Right. Um, I'm looking, I'm literally looking to be like, do do we have any rules? What was the thing about, um, no dates, like, two days in a row? Oh, our unreleased episode, The Big Six. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. That's why. Okay. I was like, I know that we watch movies, but I don't think we've actually covered on the podcast. I'm looking at the... No, that's that's why. But, okay, so, so, yeah, so I'm, so... But that was a fake rule, um, because... um, No, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but that, so so that, so that doesn't count in what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, but, like, it is the thing where it's, like, in other instances where that happens, it's, like, adults... We'll do that, and it's like, you know, no, fucking, like, you're just being an idiot. I want to talk about the contract scene really badly, because I love it. So she says, rule number one, no kissing. Uh, And her explanation for it, I think, is so lovely, and also so, like, confident and self-assured from a 15 or 16-year-old. Yeah. But she basically says... The reason why is I've never had a boyfriend, and I don't want all my firsts to be pretend. Yeah, that's... I think, like, again, like, it's so mature, and it's yeah, a yeah. lovely thing to say. And, again, it plays into the fact but that, that she does But I find she already him. kissed him, though. That's the funny... And he, and he brings that up. But yeah. I think she means, like, making out, stuff yeah. like that. Like, she, does, she wants the first time that really happens for her to be real. I love that little bit. I think, again, it's very mature, especially coming from a teenager. And it also sort of... There's an interesting sort of hint at her arc, which is like she lives in this sort of fantastical element, right. which is why she writes the letters, but she still internally strives for something that is real, even if she can't right. admit it to herself. I thought that was a cute beat. And he's like, well, we have to have some sort of physical affection for each other, else people are not going to believe, especially in high school where PDA yeah. is everywhere, people aren't going to believe that we're not in a relationship, that we're in a relationship. It's just like, well, you can put my, your hand in my back pocket. And he's like, what the hell is that? Yeah. She's like, in 16 Candles, that's something people in relationships do. I thought that was, like, really cute, because yeah. I, too, would have been, like, have gotten, in high school, have gotten all of my ideas about relationships from movies. Um, so that was delightful. And so they get into this, the realest part of the movie for me, they get into this conversation, she's like, you've never watched 16 Candles? Okay, rule number two, you have to watch 16 Candles with me. And it says, rule number three is, we can't tell anybody about this relationship, the secret, the uh, fakeness right. of the relationship, and be too embarrassing. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, Fight Club. It's like, what is that? And so he goes, you've never seen Fight Club? Okay, put it on the list. We have to like see Fight Club. Like the most I'm like, yep, this is a guy. <laughs> That's like the single Even though most a girl had just did that, I was yeah. like, of course. Perfect movie choice. Yeah. 
<laughs> that cracked me up. Um, and then, yeah, no snitching. And then the ski trip was the other contract. Uh, I thought that was cute. I'm, I'm, in, I'm I, For some reason, I'm like, that's such like a tactical thing, their love contract, that I'm surprised it didn't come up multiple times. Like, I'm surprised yeah. we didn't get more shots of the contract or something. Yeah, well, it, it's one of those things that could have been more formalized in the structure of the film. And they but I liked it. Even down to, like, the handwriting she writes it in. Like, it just felt so yeah. cute and real to me. All right, one other thing yeah. that's interesting, too, about the structure of Oh, and of the this. notes are part of the contract. The yeah. notes. But one of the things that's interesting about the structure of this deal mm-hmm. is that, like, it's clear to the audience, like, right away mm. that, his, that her sister sends those notes. Like... Yes, because like you her, get a shot of her... Like, going and looking. Smirking. Like, like no, no, literally, this, like, the a, end of Psycho. There's a thing where she goes looking for them. Like, she finds the thing. Like, yeah. there's a whole sequence before the letters even get out that, like, where you know she wouldn't got the That's letters. That's true, yeah. And then they do not address it at all for, like, 90% of the film. So it's just like, it's like this Hitchcockian ticking time bomb <laughs> underneath the table where it's like, when is this going to come out? And how ridiculous and over the top is the fallout going to be? And I know that be? they have the beautiful sisterly moment where they all forgive each other. But I yes. still do not understand why she sent the letter to Josh. That is some shitty little sister behavior for both Margie and Margot. Yeah, I could see that just like, being something where she, like, she didn't think it through. She says, like, I figured five different chances for you to have a boyfriend. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she's young. She's in, in sixth grade, so she yeah, probably doesn't she wouldn't think it's have the emotional capacity to be the... like, oh, this would be too complicated, and, and it would cause a lot of issues between my yeah. two sisters. I just thought it was so funny to be like, shouldn't Margot actually be mad at her for this? But Margot's the yeah. more mature one, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So. I'm really interested in their family dynamics, too. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wish that we would get more movies so that we can explore that more. Do you want to talk about John Corbett's? Yes, 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 Because, like, the thing that's funny about it is, I, I, like, I thought John Corbett was great in this. Like, he's, like, a... I think he's I love that he settled into this part of his career, yeah. by the way. Like, like but I think he represents in this film, like, the platonic ideal for what a movie dad is. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it's one of those things, like, you know... Like, like to the point where, like, the thing that's funny about it is, like, to go back to what we were saying about Noah Centineo, um, that... Like that's that like if he like, that's what he's gonna be like as a dad yeah like, that character like it's the same sort of like what we're circling here is that this dude Peter Kavinsky is just like a perfect man well, in a platonic se- yeah, ideal sense yes but like but yeah the other but it's like but her but her dad is like, like he's the perfect boyfriend he'll be the perfect dad but like but her dad is very much like this guy it's like you know obviously like you know he's a single dad mm-hmm. you know he's trying his best and it's one of those things where it's like he's like. You know, he's walking the line between like, hey, he's the cool dad who's chill and like is like open, is open minded and like yeah. not judgmental, but also still kind of awkward and like tries a little too hard and like is and still screws up. He's not like the cool dad, uh, but he is like a cool dad. Yes. In, in, in his interactions with his kids, it's very sweet. He's like trying to like cook them like Korean food and like does a terrible job or something. Right. Like you know, and then, like he like when she's going on the ski trip, like he has like a very honest. Oh yeah, and he sex. gets to the giant thing, thing of, of condoms, condoms, and it's like it's one of those things where it's like well, he's okay, that is. He's an oncologist also, which yes. I thought was a cool little. And it's one of those things where it's like okay, yeah, like that is the correct way to approach it, but it's still like but one it's still of those like the moments, funny like, there's no way dad thing. Yeah, there's no way that can't be an awkward conversation. So it's like sure, exactly. And he also like she's trying to do like fake sales stuff um when when peter comes to take her to the party and she's like oh no i'm too busy and her dad's like no go to the party like yeah. uh and so he's very encouraging and very supportive in a, in a healthy sense what i really liked is the scene where they go to the diner yes um, well, that's a so, terrific sequence so he this is uh, on new year's after like they've had the breakup and she's towards the end of the movie um and they see that she's cleaning her room which is a signal that like she's like Things clearly like bad. emotional yeah and so he takes her out to the diner and he talks to her about her mom um, and he says that like she was so like 
full of life. And the example that she gives is there was a song. I'm sorry, I forgot which song. It was a really good one. Um, that she like always played on the jukebox there. And sometimes she would even like dance in the aisles. Then he shows her a picture of her dancing, which I thought was so sweet. And what I liked about it, other than obviously like that's an emotional in and of itself, but he was like, you know, these past few months, you've reminded me more of her um, because she's been sort of opening up. But what he says is like, not with, I mean, not with us, because you've always been that way with us, but just uh, to the world. And I thought that was such a sweet distinction because they're not making it so that like her relationship with Peter has somehow changed her in any way. It's just like, you just become more comfortable being who you are. Yeah. And I thought that was such a sweet thing. And she also, Shader says, like, I don't want to talk about Peter. And he's like, okay, so we won't. Like, yeah. he, he's talking he about her and how he wants her to be sort of open to the world and not closed yeah. off because of the pain that she's experienced. No, he, he, he has a good sense of boundaries and, like, he's not a helicopter parent or no. anything. Uh, he's there in the ways that he should be there and then, like, he gives distance where he should. And it's not, uh, what I love more than anything is it's not about the relationship and it's not about her, like, in any way implying that she hasn't been a great person up till now. It's just about, like, I want you to be comfortable and confident in who you are. Like yeah, be self-actualized yeah. in this added way. It's such a, such a beautiful thing, especially for, like, a teenage girl. Like, I loved that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is that, like, that whole sequence and the way he describes his wife and the way they yeah. talk about it, like, it really gives, like, a real-world real anchor for why... Lara Jean would have this like romantic ideal for what relationships sure, are. yeah like it's one of those things where obviously like, she has like these like romance novels and things that she, that she was hinging her like broader expectations on but like it, it's understandable to then hear him describe his relationship with his wife and be like oh but that's why she thinks that's valid and not completely unrealistic because like that's the relationship that she grew up under totally you know and that makes a lot of sense yeah um, which I think is really great John Corbett was really uh, effective in that yeah, I mean, he's really good at playing those sort of, like, sweet... Earnest people, yeah. Exactly, sweet, earnest characters. So that was that was really, very, very sweet. And we don't often get a lot of... You know, I talk a lot about mother-daughter relationships and romantic comedies or father, sister relationships. Father-daughters, we don't get... Usually the father's, often. like, the antagonistic figure against the, the male love shitty. Interest like, it's so easy to do a shitty dad character, especially in a teen rom-com or a teen romance yeah and um this is just a delight like everything about this movie is so delightful actually there's not a lot that i would ever what the other side of that because i completely forgot about the scene where she goes to pierre's house and has dinner with his mom and and her and 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 his siblings and yeah and they talk about the fact that like it's one of those things where like yeah yeah, and and then her and his mom is like nice also and like but also and also not like a perfect like there's a thing where like she asks about like Lara Jean's mom and he's like I told her I told you she passed away and he's like oh I'm so sorry like she's you know like it's like there's nothing like awkward or weird it it, it, or it's awkward it felt like human yeah. yeah there's nothing like cartoonish about it so she says like Oh, so you you have two sisters. Your mom must love raising girls because she only has yeah, two boys. Well, and he and, and Peter's yeah, like, like, Mom, I told you that Laura Jean's dad passed. Uh, mom, excuse uh, me, passed away when she was little. And on her face, that actress is good. Yeah. She's like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. She's mortified. And Laura Jean is just like, That's okay. She did love having. Yeah, girls. She, and then, yeah. It's very it's a very mature moment for everybody. Just yeah. Like, like, hey, like. Um, I find it interesting. I mean, the, the lead into that conversation is she was saying like. In the narration, she's just like, oh, I, I wish that we had left families out of it altogether. Um, and then you see the scene with, with her meeting or, or having dinner with Peter's mom. And it's like, at this point, what is their... Like, I, 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 and this is something that I like, not that, something that I'm criticizing. It's much vaguer about when their relationship becomes real, even before they start yeah. to admit it. Like, at this point, 
they're having dinner at each other's houses regularly. Yeah. Um, and I think for for um, Laura Jean, it makes a little bit more sense to me because Peter drives her sister to school. Yeah. Because um, she's bad at driving is like the right. thing. So um, he's already involved and he's already meeting her family, but she doesn't have to meet his family. Right. Um, and so I thought that that was like a very sweet indication that they've already become very close at that point yeah. in the movie, even, they're, they're even like if we're friends. a ways away from them admitting that they have actual feelings from each other. Yeah. But I think a lesser movie would have made like a definitive point. You know what I mean? Where where they're like, ooh, this means their feelings are real. It's just like it's a just really more... gradual, like the way that they're texting each other. It's just all so gradual yeah, I mean, and it... so much more human and nuanced. Yeah, I mean, it goes back yeah, to what we, were, what we were saying before about how like it's all kind of like murky and everyone's yeah. kind of just on good terms with each other. Yeah, and everybody, so yeah, it was a very fluid and like... Talk about murkiness. Like the timeline for the movie also, like all of a sudden it's three months out. Yeah. From where we started in this key trip. But what I really thought was so interesting is, so like I said, in the synopsis, she has a scene with Josh when he's like, what are you doing dating Peter and, and what's going on? Um, she says, like, we can't talk about this. We can't be friends anymore, essentially, because of, of you know, you know about my feelings and me and my sister broke up and all that. And then later on, closer to the skate trip, um, when she overhears uh, Jen sort of starting to sort of essentially hit on Peter and, and imply that mm-hmm. she's going to be available and they should go back together. She, you see her talking to Josh about it. And she's like, I'm sorry, I know that you don't really like it, like it when I talk about Peter, um, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm really worried that I might have gotten myself into a situation here, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, because they have this, this um, motif, uh, especially early on in the movie, where she talks to a Josh that isn't real. Right. I thought that was going to be a Josh that wasn't real. Right. Then- because I was like, last I checked... These guys weren't friends anymore. And so they just sort of gradually became yeah, friends again, again off screen. Exactly. Yeah. Again, like, not really a criticism. I just yeah, thought that was partially why I rewatched it because I was like, did I miss a scene? Yeah, no. But yeah. It, there's, there's not a lot of lingering antagonism, which I think is like, as much as, as, much as we talk about. Yeah. Like, but yeah. As, as much as we talk about, like, high school being, like, a cutthroat, like, brutal world and everything, it's like, I think there is also an element of just like, yeah, well, we're all stuck together, so we might as well just, like, get through it and, and stay on decent terms with the people who we don't like actively despise or I, actively like persecute us. I agree. And I hope that that is the way that high schoolers feel today. Oh, yeah. um, I think in general, like teens today are much sort of more sincere and stuff. So I do think yeah. that might be the case, but who knows? But I also think that something that sort of contributes to that is um, we learn early on that like Josh and Laura Jean have been like real. I think he lives next door, and they've yeah. been like really, really close friends for Since a long time. Since before she dated uh, Margo. Yeah, exactly. And so basically, the timeline of it, and she explains this just towards the end of the movie, um, not in so many words, is she really liked him, um, but didn't kind of realize what those feelings were um, in terms of like romantic feelings or not until he asked at Margo, and then she sort of felt jealous. But then she says that like when she's admitting that maybe she didn't love him the way that she thought, she said, like, but really, I just missed my best friend. Yeah. So I thought that was sweet for two reasons. One, it could mean Margot or Josh. Right. Or more likely both. Yeah. She, I think she's talking about Josh in that moment, but it could be both of them. And I also think, like, again, like, that's such an emotionally mature thing to, to, consider, yeah. to consider and to verbalize that, like, I thought this was love. But and I did have a crush on you, but it's much more about the fact that I missed hanging out with you as friends now that you're in a relationship. And that is something that I can relate to in my high school experience for sure. I didn't really have a lot of like 
the same exact experiences. Um, but I did have friends who, who ended up being in relationships and then suddenly it felt like you sort of lost them right. as your sort of go-to friend, especially in high school when friendships are so intense. It's an interesting thing. There's a scene uh, early on where um, she's talking about the evolution of his relationship with Margot and basically says like they neither one of the neither wanted neither one of them wanted Laura Jean to feel left out, so they invited her everywhere, even on dates, and there's a shot of them at the movies, just like the three of them. Right. And she sees them like holding hands and she's so uncomfortable. Been that friend yeah. at the movies. Once my what remember I told you the story about my my like one major high school date. Where, like, I had a crush on a guy, and he was interested in me, and we were going to go to the, a, on a group date to see 21, which yeah. is, like, the perfect fucking group date movie. It's going to be Drill Bit Taylor 21. Um, and The real murderer's row. Right? There. Communications got mixed up. Long story short, we ended up in different theaters. And I never went out with that guy again, but I did sit with my friend and her boyfriend, who was also my good friend, at the movie. And it was just like, what the fuck is my life? And so to see that mirrored, I was like, holy shit. It really took me back 10 years. Just like immediately. Like that feeling is so realistic. And again, so high school. Um, And so I thought that that was like a really well done scene. Um, And the performance was really good too when she talked. Like it's it's amazing how mature and self-assured this teenage character is. Yeah, and a, like and a lot of that is owed to Lena Condor. For like, sure. she, she does really good work in this movie throughout. Like, you know, she's like, you know, she she's funny, but not in like a, um, like not in like she's like a preternaturally like witty Joss Whedon way. Just not in a like, either, yeah, yeah j- just in a like, you know, like you know, she just has like you know quirks of personality that like play in a funny way, and then, and she's smart enough to like have like good responses to people, but she's not like you know cartoonishly like. Whip smart, like hilarious. Exactly. Just like, what know, I she's also just naturally for references too. So she references Pretty in Pink, and she also and I loved this references James Dean. And she's like, oh, I'm not the James Dean of this type of thing, and, and that's what Peter is like. Right. Okay, you have that's the references you. of an 80 year old. Not only is that me, but like to go back to like <laughs> my high school experience. Like I had some crushes, like that one dude, but my biggest high school crush was James Dean. Yeah. I legitimately thought that maybe we had been in a relationship in a, in a previous life. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm not well. And the night we saw this movie, we my beloved husband well. took me to see Rebel Without a Cause for my birthday uh, in theaters because yeah. there was like a fathom release, um, which shows that I ended up with somebody wonderful. But I also thought that that was such a weird, like it really made me think back to like who I was in high school in this in this like... Yeah, it's really interesting way. And the other thing, too, is that she's able to play that stuff where she doesn't come off like a hipster, which no, is also true. But that, that's, that's what I was tra- kind of trying to get at before I went on the self-indulgent tangent about James Dean. Yeah, like, it's not super, like, as much as I love Gilmore Girls, it's not like the Gilmore Girls reference type where it's, like, super obscure, and then the, the person who's supposed to, like, not know it be like, who's that? Like, yeah. no, it's just, like, she has some very famous references of, like, older movies. So, like, James Dean is pretty well known. Yeah. Uh, 16 Candles. People are aware of Exactly. And so it's not like she's like some sort of like hipster, like you said, or like super obscure. Like you could very reasonably expect that like a 16 or 17 year old in this time who like has a lot of time to herself, maybe like is on her computer a lot. And who has a very very, enthusiastic attitude about like romance. 
Exactly. To, like, that, that's the thing, is that it is very much a, like, uh, it, it just comes off as, like, yeah, that's where her interests lie. And she's right. not making this reference to be snotty or to be, like, uh, better than you. It's just because it's, like, yeah. Or to, like, alienate. Exactly. And, and, it's, and, it's and similarly, instinct. like, it's not references that would occur to Peter, but he's not reacting, like, what are you talking about? Who's but that? he gets it from context. Ex- well, even, like, he, sa- he says, like, you have the references of an 80-year-old. I think that implies that he knows who James Dean is. Yeah. He's just, like, that wouldn't really be my go-to. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It, so, again, like, it's much more grounded. Like, this feels like a human conversation. It, I think the problem is a lot of times when you try to write clever teenagers, the conversations just are not human. It, or or they mean? sound like 40-year-olds, you know, in that, like, they're yes. just talking, like, way more adult. You get, you get like, a, a – like, we can debate the merits, but you get, like, a Joss Whedon thing if, right. you're, if, you're, if you're good at it. Right. Or you get, like, a Diablo Cody thing. Right. Or you get a Kevin Williamson thing. Even Riverdale, I think, struggles with it purposely. Like, I shouldn't say struggle. Like, I mean, in Riverdale's cases, like, they're, they're actually going for, like, a It's all stylized but. because you can't really replicate how teenagers talk. And uh, this movie, I think – maybe I don't know how teenagers talk, but it – it felt very human and natural to me. Where in, in yeah, they played it more naturalistic. Did. Yeah, exactly. So like, like, there's a lot of Joss Whedon dialogue. Very often, like you know, I mean, the cat, the Buffy cast was very good, but like it all, it very much felt like they were doing like a very, very rehearsed, like who's on first type of routine with the so, way they talked a yeah. lot of the time. And well, in this case, it Josh feels Whedon, like they're people. The Joss Whedon thing, I remember. I think you told me like his the whole thing about that is he was like, I don't think that I'll be able to replicate so I was do his talk, so I'm just going to create. A vernacular. No, no, no. I mean that that that's true. I, I'm talking about the performance yeah. aspect of it. The fact that like the way well, that some, they well, it. some performers are more comfortable with that than well, others. Well, sure. And that's true for for English and Palladino too. Yes. Not teenagers, but Aaron Sorkin too. I think if, let's just go down to the fucking rabbit hole of TV shows. I think the TV show that gets it the best for me is Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. and that's because a lot of it is sort of I don't want to say improvised, but it's, it, it encourages actors to like say things in their own words, and, and right. they hired a lot of really young people, so right. Um, um, but yeah, so I mean, it was, uh, you know, like it's really good. And Lena Connor really like, um, uh, anchors all of that stuff really well. Um, considering like, you know, again, like, it's one of those things like, like she has to juggle all the different relationship dynamics as like the focal point. Like it's very rare that you see relationship dynamics between other characters that aren't her. Right. She's the and, center of the movie. Right. It, it's one of those things. And so it's like the, so the fact that she can handle all those different dynamics and, um, you know, sell the honesty of it, even in this heightened context is, is you know, obviously key to it working. And she does a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I also really thought was interesting about this movie is that in like, a lot of low key ways, like visually, it's really oh, it is. Smart. It's kind of got, got like a Wes Anderson look in some shots. A little bit, the te- it, it, all the teal, all the colors. But it's not overplayed. No. It's not like like like. But Wes Anderson gets to a point where it's literally just like it looks like he made a giant sized dollhouse. Yeah, I said kind of a yeah. Wes Anderson. But that, actually, the thing that was funny for me is that I kept thinking about Brick. The oh, Ryan yeah? Johnson movie. It's like, this is like a much more lighthearted movie set in the same world. That's true. Uh, and I think some of that is just because, like, they have, like, the dual scenes where she meets uh, Peter on the lacrosse field. And, I love and, that. And, like, that just reminds me of, like, there's, like, major confrontations in Brick that happen on a That's the field. one part of Brick I remember. Right, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the best part, yeah. But, like, that's the thing. So that dynamic is like that. There's, like, you know, the the set design in Brick is very often, like, just to, just shot, just to the left of real. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels a little surreal a I lot felt like, of the time. I, I remember Brick being a little bit more stylized than this. A little bit. But, like, but I do feel like, like, the way that, like, certain aspects of it are conveyed yeah. is very much, like, like, there's a lot of, like, really bright colors, but a lot of, like, like set desaturated stuff in the background like it's so very good. contrasted should we watch it? yeah um but there are there are a lot maybe, of things that never something maybe about we them. should watch a ryan johnson film soon yeah maybe 
We're talking um, about Last Jedi, folks. No. Um, but yeah, but we'll. But it's one of those things. Like you know, there was something about it. Like oftentimes, very like ephemeral. Like I couldn't put my finger on it. Where I was like, this just makes me. This, it just I felt like it. brick. I get and it. It's hard to say. But one of the great shots that go back to like the scene where like she cleans the room. I love that. Is the shower? It's like it's a close up of her, like looking over her room, and like you know, and she steps and to she's take it. Putting an action. on like, headphones. And she puts her headphones on to listen to music, and I then she. Bat- her so good in that moment. She like raises her eyebrow just slightly, like it's really cool. Yeah, and then she puts the headphones on, and then she bends down to pick something up, and then like it perfectly like reveals like John Corbett and, and her sisters like yeah. behind her, like watching her and all, like wow, she's cleaning. Like so, it's, and it's a really so perfectly much, framed shot that like, all, like surprises you because it doesn't really feel like it's gonna be like a, a showy shot, and then no. it just like. Well, I think that, like, yeah, really, like, in transition. general, I think the movie is sort of, like, low-key, really cinematic in a way. You're right. right. Like, it doesn't throw it in your face, but so many of the shots are so gorgeous. There's a shot of her, like, sitting at the party where, like, she's just off the shot, and you get, like, she's alone, and then there's the two of the, the other girls there, and just, like, it's very well thought out in the way it's, it's shot. Stated. In a way it's that is not showy, stated. but it's still really effective and really beautiful. Also, I love the cleaning thing because, like, that feels very natural to me. Like, your life is a mess. Yeah, it feels a lot like, of times, it's, like, it's I'm, like, I'm in a cleaning mood now. It's I a very like, clear. That, that, that stuff is something that, really, that you can relate to. For sure. And I also like just, like, the balance of it narratively. I think it's a relatively complex thing they do where it's, like, she feels like she's taking ownership of her life. And she's, like, I can clean. And it feels like that's the part, like, knowing movie structures the way we do. Like, okay, this is the part of, like, moving towards the third act where she's, like, starting to, like metaphorically clean up the mess of the movie and is starting to take ownership. Meanwhile, her dad and her sisters are like, oh, this is a bad sign. Right. You know, I, I really thought that that balance of it was so interesting. Yes. Um, so I thought that that was really, really lovely and really well done. I do want to talk about Jen and the bathroom scene. So just, I didn't go into too much of the specific details in the synopsis, but I'll go into them now. Um, so when Laura Jean earlier on the movie, by the way, this narration, um, the like, that's relevant to know. Uh, early on in the movie when she is talking about the different crushes that she had when she was younger, she mentions Peter really quickly. And then later on, so she sees um, Jen. Her full name is Genevieve, and I'm telling you that only because... It's she, spelled G-E-N. And in my head, because I wrote Jen a bunch of times writing out the description, G-E-N, I keep on struggling to not pronounce Jean. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like... Anyway, so she, she um, talks to Jen, and Jen is kind of, like, really rude to her about her boots. She's like, and see, that's the part of the movie where I think she's most stereotypical high school mean girl. She's like, nice boots, <laughs> like that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Peter's, like, trying to apologize for her behavior, and he's like, oh, she's on a cap. She's like, she's not having caffeine because of some, to some diet thing. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. But, um, so she rewinds, and she's like, okay, here's why Jen and I are like this, or... She says that the reason Jen, she and Jen aren't friends is because in middle school, her, Jen's popularity took off and Laura Jean's didn't. And Laura Jean is now best friends with Chris, who is Jen's cousin, actually. And a dynamic that I think could have been explored yeah. altogether. Like, I, I would have loved some extra scenes about that, to be honest with you. That was so interesting to me. Um, and then she, she sort of flashes back to why she had a crush on Peter initially, or she wrote from the letter, is in, a, in like seventh grade, I think, when they did spin the bottle... Um, at a party, the bottle landed on her, uh, even though she and she was like, "Oh, we could spin it again," because she knew that Jen and Peter wanted to kiss each other because they were like right. they weren't boyfriend and girlfriend yet, yeah, but it was there. obvious. And Peter's like, "No, we can't cheat the bottle." And then they do like a very chaste little kiss because they're middle schoolers. Um, and you and Jen's like scandalized, right? And then um, later on, so 
they have this conversation in the bathroom because Laura Jean firmly believes that Jen is the one who um, post, either posted the picture on Instagram, or the video on Instagram, or put it on her locker or some combination of the two. I think right. she definitely believes that she's the one that put the video up in the first place. And she's like, how could you do this to another woman? It's despicable. And Jen has this whole conversation with her where she's like, you know, I'm glad that people are seeing you for who you really are. You're not as innocent. Like She's like, Peter isn't as confident, I think, she is the one that she, the word that she chose, as he appears to be. I'm not as tough and you're not as innocent as you appear to be. You kiss my boyfriend. And she, and she thinks she means now. And she's like, you, you've been broken up. She's like, no, not then. Before we were even together. And so she's like, in middle school? And she's like, we didn't even have a tongue. And Zelanda, I think, redeems this character for me just because it feels so, like, so high school and so middle. She's like, well, it had tongue to me or something. Yeah. She's like saying, like, it was emotional for me. And so it's like, I think the movie's trying to make the case that, like, this is actually why... Jen hates her and yes. they're not no, friends anymore no, because of the same with Peter. What's so interesting when you watch that flashback is that Laura Jean's her narration, she's saying everyone knew that Peter and Jen wanted to kiss each other. doesn't seem like Peter's that disappointed to be kissing Laura Jean. Yeah. He's very sweet. He's exactly the same character he ends up being in high right. school where he's like, no, we can't cheat the bottle. Let's just kiss. Um, so I thought that was cool. But yeah, I think her thing is actually like this betrayal that her best friend did to her. Right. So I think... It, I don't want to say that it redeems the character for me because it doesn't, but it make, it gives the character a little bit more nuance. Well, just like yeah. Mean Girl, it, it's that uh, it's that element of like when you're when you're writing villains of like you need to give them a valid motivation, yeah. but it doesn't mean you have to make them like likable or exactly. okay. And it's like so it's one of those things where yeah, it's understandable that she would be upset about that at that age, and that that would be a thing that would kind of like. Mm-hmm. It's a more hu- it, I keep using the word human. It's a more human motivation than just like. But it's still just like. Yeah, like, but you're also now. like yeah. a fucking like mean girl, like obnoxious. Well, yeah, she's, she's rude. Do you think she put up the video? I don't know. That's what I thought was interesting about the movie is because like she's very. Laura Jean's very confident. And she even says to Peter, because Peter, after he like rips the thing off the wall, or he doesn't rip the thing off the wall, but after he tells everyone like nothing happened. He denounces it. Like, yeah, which I thought also was a really good scene. Um, she's like. He's like, I'm so sorry when I find out who did this. And she's like, oh, I know who did it, and so should you. And right away, he's like, I'm sorry, I'll talk to her. Like, he immediately yeah. agrees that he thinks it's Jen, too. And she's like, no, I will. This is my battle to fight. Um, which, which is it's nice. also equally his, though. But uh, I did think it was, like, so interesting that, that both of them, both of our protagonists here, or romantically, are like, oh, it's Jen. But she, like, vehemently denies it in a way that I found almost believable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, on a certain level, it, doesn't, it obviously doesn't really matter. It doesn't, of course. But, it is one I mean, the movie doesn't present like, any other suspects. So. Yeah, but it, it is also a thing where, like, you know, it's just element of, like, yeah, sure, like, she definitely has a reason to do it, but also it's, like, it's high school, people would just do that just for the sake of fucking doing it. Exactly, you like, know, it could have like, been anybody. Um, what I also like about it, just thinking still about the Jen thing, is the amount of big plot things that happen for like very things that we would consider very minuscule so there's this whole thread of the scrunchie when they go to right. the party um she uh she's wearing large jeans wearing her hair and her favorite scrunchies and ponytail and peter's like removes it from her and he's like oh i like your hair down it looks really pretty or something and he, and he wears it on his wrist and takes right. a picture of her and then that's when jen starts to get jealous at the party and so she sort of ambushes him in the bathroom um and is like fairly um mocking yeah. of Laura Jean and she like takes the scrunchie and she's like oh that's so cute is it hers and she puts it in her hair and then right. she leaves um, and this it's an interesting scene because it really sort of I, I, I think it's very easy to track the progress of Peter's feelings for Jen throughout the movie right. so in that part of the movie he's he still is kinda, still hung up on her and, and he's still kind of cow he's cowed by like exactly he, she when Laura Jean get, like when he takes the scrunchie from Laura Jean she's like make sure you give that back to me it's my favorite scrunchie 
and he doesn't say anything really when she takes or maybe yeah. he does I don't remember but I mean, like he's already, just take it back God he's one of where he just kind of like he has shrinks like yeah. you feel him kind of like exactly. collapsing in on himself a little bit as she like like picks at him exactly you, you, you really get the sense of that relationship very quickly too yeah. um, it's just it's just well done scene but um so she takes it and then I expected it to come out right away right she this is kind of an evil genius she plays like a long game with this scrunchie right. she lets the relationship develop for quite some time and then at the ski trip um after Laura Jean and, and you know I've just convinced myself that Jen did put up the video well, yeah, I mean, because to me it truly seems that by the time that Jen confronts Laura Jean after the bus, uh, by the bus stop after the ski trip, she seems to really know that they are in a legitimate relationship at this point. No, it's very, she it's feels all very threatened. I mean, so yeah. I think maybe she did see, she did oversee the hot tub thing. Well, yeah. But it, it's also because, like, she sees him napping on her and stuff like that, so maybe not. Also because he just broke up with her the night before. Like Quite true. <laughs> Forgot about dead. that bit. Yes. But whatever, yeah. But, but yeah, she plays Good a long game. point. But yeah, so she... It's like, oh, I just think that it's so sweet that you are accepting my r- friendship with Peter. You're not many girls to be okay with him spending the night in another girl's room. And she has the scrunchie. Yeah. And, like, she, like, literally takes it out and puts her hair up as yeah. she's talking. Uh, and, and Laura Jean's like, where'd you get that scrunchie? And she's like, Peter gave it to me. Isn't it so cute? And I'm like, holy shit, this scrunchy thing. Yeah. Like, it's a really it, that's really thing. great writing. That you imagine, like, it feels so emotional, and it's a fucking scrunchy. Like, it's so, no, it's a very, so great. It's a very good high school And she's thing, really upset. Yeah, she's really upset. She's like, you gave her my favorite scrunchy. And also, he spent the night in her room. We're, we're done. I love that. Again, like, it's so, but it's believably high school. I love that. Same thing with the bus snacks revelation. Yeah. Where he's like... You know, I wanted to sit. In, she she doesn't theoretically when she goes to talk to him in the hot tub. She's like, I he was upset that she didn't sit with him on the bus. Like even just that sentence. Yeah. So high school is such a sweet way, and she's saying like, oh, I thought you you got to sit next to who you really wanted to because Jen ended up sitting next to him, and he's like, I wanted to sit next to you. I even asked Kitty where to. Like, I got a snacks bus right. snacks. So cute. He's like, I asked Kitty where to get that yogurt that you like, the yogurt drink, and, she, and it's all the way across town. He got it. So, like, again, like, the turning point for her realizing that he does have true feelings for her is that he bought her snacks. bus snacks for a trip. I love yeah. that. Like, all these, like, tiny little details that feel so huge. It's just, like, it feels, like, so lived in. Yeah, it's all, it's all very, like, it's yeah. very smart detail work to sort of give a level of uh, depth to, to everything. Yeah, Anything you didn't like? Nah. Not really. Like, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. I mean, you mentioned feeling that Jen was a little two-dimensional. Yeah, I mean, just whatever it is, it's just like it's stuff that, like, didn't really stick in my mind enough, so. Right. For you, it's been a week since you watched it. Yeah, but it's like, if it, if it didn't stick in my mind, then who cares? Like, yeah, we, went, exactly. we, we went a week without before we recorded the How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days episode, and I had no problem remembering <laughs> why I hated about that movie, so clearly it's not a big deal. This is very true. Um, yeah, I really didn't have anything that I think was an issue or things that I felt like, like, again, like I thought that there was just like a really, it put a a really fun, like natural smile on my face throughout. And it's one of those things where I don't think that it is an overly complex movie. Although I think it does think some things that are are fairly advanced um, and really, really competent. Um, I don't think that it's like some grand life changing movie, but at the same time, I think that there's such a delight to watch it. Like, some, like a lot of the times, that's what I want out of a movie. 
Um, and it's just such a sweet little world to live in. Again, I don't, I don't, it's this weird thing where like, I don't think that this is relevant to my high school life mostly, except from the ways that I described, but it's still like you get a feeling of nostalgia when you watch it. Yeah. And, I, and I can't really identify why that is, but it's really sweet. Mm. Um, and so I really liked it. I feel like I had something else to say and I don't know what, but I guess whatever. Um, in terms of like tropes, trying to think, obviously like they're not going to have like jobs here. Um, no real meet cute because that'll happen before. Yeah, they all know each other already. Exactly. There's some like tripping stuff, like she like falls in the. Yeah, but. He's like, who cares? <laughs> uh, and so, again, like the only like real trope that I could call. Two real tropes, I guess, um, but they're handled very lightly. So the gay best friend, who isn't even a best friend. Yeah, he's just sort of around. Yeah, and I like Lucas. Again, I like the scene where he. I like everything about. All of his scenes, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. So what I was going to say is I like the scene where, like, so she, after she sees the two main guys get their letters or have their letters, she, like, freaks out. She runs to the bathroom uh, to hide out, and then Lucas follows her in, and he, like, very gently, like, slides the letter to her, and he's like, I thought you wanted that back. It seems a little personal, which already I was like, I love this kid. Yeah. You know, so sweet. Um, and so <laughs> she... Uh, says, like, just please know that I wrote this a long time ago. Like, again, like, so self-assured in a way. Like, I'm imagining myself in this situation because writing love letters is totally something I would have done. And I would have come up with some sort of crazy backstory to justify it. Like, somebody wrote this under my name. And she's just like, I wrote this a long time ago. She's clearly humiliated, but she's still, like, way more mature about it than I would have been. Um, And he basically is like, no, I totally get it. Remember, like... I know what, when you wrote this, it would have been, like, after, like, freshman homecoming, and, they, like, the scene is basically just, like... Never dancing. Yeah, he was, like, really nice to her. He, like, complimented her, her um, braid crown. She said she liked his ascot. Um, and they danced. It was, like, a beautiful little moment that, yeah. like, didn't necessarily need to be there, but I really liked it. Um, and so he says, like, it's no big deal, but you know I'm gay, right? And then this is the, one of the only times where I thought the, nar- the narration, which I guess is the only thing I maybe would criticize, uh, was really justified is because Laurie James narrative goes like I did not just like yeah I did <laughs> I like that and he has a whole thing where he's like yeah I mean don't tell a lot of people like I'm out but you know my dad doesn't fully know my mom knows like he gives this whole thing he's like you know yeah. high school which I thought was cute um, so I really liked his character a lot um, yes he is technically gay yes he is not the best friend but a good friend a confidant yeah, somebody it's not really it's not really explored a lot it's, just, it's, it's stated it's not really again like I think I've just described all the scenes that he was in yeah uh, like he's not in that much he moves the plot along a little bit and yet again like it's a character that feels um, like you'd want to see more of him and it doesn't feel like he's sort of a utilitarian character right. from my perspective so that's good and then the other best friend character is Chris who we haven't really talked about she's kind of like edgier um, she's more she's mostly just there to be like the id in yeah. the situation and sort of like motivate what, what Lara Jean's already thinking or wants to do uh, I agree I do think so she plays artfully into the plot in a few different respects so um, she uh, is the one who Basically, when Laura Jean's like, I don't want to go on the ski trip, and Peter's trying to say, well, contract, she's saying, I'll only go if Chris goes, knowing that Chris is somebody who, like, doesn't typically go to these types of events. And, and she'd be like, like, fuck I'll yeah, go. I'll go, yeah. And she basically, the reason she says, she's like, she later on says, like, it's also because she thinks that um, 
Lara Jean has really like opened up since dating Peter, and she really likes to see her so happy, which which her dad agrees with. But he's also she's also like I'm tired of like Jen acting the way that she's acting, and Lara Jean has a line where she's like, I am really sick of you using me to get back at her. And that's why I was like, get back at her for what? Yeah. I'm so curious about this family. Because <laughs> she's her cousin. Like, what does this mean? Um, but I, I, and so I think that that, again, like, I think the invested best friend is justified because they're in high school. But it's also justified because there's some sort of thing going on here right. where she hates Jen. And she loves Laura Jean. It's her best friend. So she's, like, personally it's invested in, in yeah. propping her up. So I thought that that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't think she's, like, the most interesting character in the plot, but I do think that she's not, uh, as far as best friends go, I think she's one of the better ones, possibly because they don't use her too much. Um, I think, actually, to negate my complaint about the narration, the use of narration makes them not, talk, like, use Chris as, like, a stereotypical rom-com best friend because they're not using her as a soundboard. Yeah. Like, you just know um, because of the narration. The narration, I'm saying... It's just, like, a little bit unnecessary. It adds color to it, so I'm not like, I hate this. But it's not really a weak point. It's just a less impressive point of the movie, I guess. But I liked it. I think Brendan's ready to wrap up. <laughs> um, so, Brendan, if you have no other points, what did you think of Lara Jean as a character? Um, I think she's really great. I think, you know, it's one of those things where, like, she has a lot of maturity, um, but also is still enough of a teenager and enough of a kid, and, like, it's caught between, like, you know being smart and and being capable of understanding other people's business while also like being insecure and uncertain enough to sort of fall make mistakes and you know have trouble like getting through things and so it's an element of like you know they do a good job of like having her be prone to error and be prone to like you know enabling like the unfortunate elements of the plot without compromising her as a character yeah. Like, she doesn't, like, come off as, like, uh, you know, it's not, it's, they don't, like, rarely make her ditzy or, or irrational or, or stupid. Or, alternatively, they don't make her, like, perfect. Right. Either. They do a good job of, like, he, she maintains her integrity while also being flawed in ways that move the plot forward, mm-hmm. which I think is really yeah. good. Is there anything, like, what, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, and I really like her as a character. I do think that. Like I keep saying, like she's very nuanced, and for me, what it's so interesting to see is just a character who, again, like she has her issues. I, I thought that the way that they handled the backstory with her mother and, and why she sort of, I don't want to say the commitment issues, but she has issues sort of admitting sort of real feelings for people, felt very uh, natural. Um, but in general, like what really sort of stunned me was this character who is in high school who's so mature and so confident not in a way that 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 feels like unrealistic you know what I mean like I don't think that they overdid that but I really enjoyed seeing a character who wasn't super insecure um and 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 this goes for all romantic comedies um a lot of the romantic comedies that we see especially the lesser ones but even ones that aren't as bad or are even good a lot of times you get a character a female character who has something that needs to be fixed and uh, Laura Jean does in the sense of her like emotional attachments to people, but it just for some reason, and, I, and I, I'm not articulating it well, but it just feels like it's done with so much affection for this character, as though she's like a real person who is being written about here. That just feels so. She feels like a relatively healthy character, even yeah. at the start when she gets healthier, which yeah. I thought was really great, um, especially for a high school setting. But even period, I feel like 
I wish that I saw characters like this more. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about the fact that, like, what her dad says is that you're already like this with yeah. us. It just, it'd be, it's nice to see you be like this with other people. Exactly. And, so and, and that's also, like, such a relatable thing for teenage girls, too. Yeah. It's not, it's not like saying that, like, oh, well, you are just a flawed character that needs to get past this flaw. It's that you're a good character who just needs to be that character in more ways. Like, yeah. more. It, it's more validating about what's good about her than, like, condemning what's bad about her, which is... Yeah, know. definitely. So, I really appreciated the character. Uh, did you think this movie was romantic? Yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's high school, they're teenagers like how permanent or, or serious is this stuff but like I guess I don't but, think that that is permanency and serious no no, no I know necessary. I know that's, uh, that, that's, yeah. that's what I'm getting at is oh, just like, but it doesn't actually but like it all still feels very like it's romantic in the sense that like you know these characters sort of like re- reinforce themselves you know, each other and sort of like build each other up and, and, and sort of exp- you know explore better aspects of themselves and and you know, it's a very validating relationship yeah. ultimately. Um, and that's, that to me is like a very romantic thing. The idea that it's a relationship that boosts the people involved. I agree. Um, one of the, like the notes that she gets from Peter is he has a note where he's like, I love that we can talk about real stuff. Yeah. Um, and what's great about that is you don't know when he sent any of those letters, but I feel like that letter is probably after they talked about like their families and stuff. Right. Um, but I think that that is the crux of the relationship for me. And what especially for high school students. Especially for high school students. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that like they're able to bond over this. I, I think that's well done too. That they're, they're bonding yes. over trauma, let's call it. Um, but not in a way that feels really forced or yeah. overdone. It feels very natural. It feels very natural for for him to ask her about her mom. You know, in, in sort of like an inquisitive way. Um, that you yeah. are. Especially when you're younger. I mm-hmm. thought it was really great. Um, and yeah, the romance here I thought you know, throughout the movie, I think was really well done. I don't think that either character particularly needed to change. And I think that that really actually helps the romance. A lot of times I say like, oh, I I like movies where characters are kind of changing each other and it depends on how well it's done. But I have to say, I don't think it's a necessary part of the rom-com and this shows why. This couple has an obstacle where um, it's their emotional issues with emotional attachments, um, whether it's letting go of, you know, baggage that you have from a previous loss or, a breakup. Uh, I really like that it explored that, but it still let these people be like really, really good people and really right for each other without needing to point. Like there is no scene. There is no scene where they point out each other's right, flaws yeah. because the movie doesn't need that. And I think that, I mean, there's, this comes close to it when he's like, you're not going on the ski trip because of this, this and this, but they're arguing about the certain, the certain situation, exactly. not like the it's thing behind this the thing. It's not this raw thing. Yeah. And I thought that that was really great. Um, I like seeing sort of healthy relationships like this. A lot of it, like I, I said, goes back to, I think that this shows like a char- uh, a female character who is very admirable in a way that like you want your friend to be, not like in this pedestal way. She's like somebody you want to be friends with. She's somebody sort of you see yourself in, and I think that's great. And I think that Peter is a character who, again, is like a dream boyfriend for a teenage girl, which I really, really liked. Actually, we watched this um, on the day that we saw Rebel Without a Cause and in Rebel Without a Cause, Natalie Wood's character, I don't know if you remember, talks to, it was much more intense circumstances, but she talks to James Dean's character about, like, what kind of guy do you think a girl wants? Um, And he's like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, somebody, like, tough, but somebody who is also sweet, not afraid to do the right thing. She talks about he was friends with Plato. And I feel like it was so cool that we watched that movie, and then we came home and saw this, and I'm like, that's this guy! In a much healthier way. Yes, very much. <laughs> very different circumstances. But I was like, exactly. Like, he's somebody who 
is very affable. Um, you know, he's popular, but not alienating to anybody. You yeah. can't imagine him, like, bullying anybody, for God's right. sake. And he's just, he also, like, respects her boundaries. Uh, I want to talk about that real quick. I know we're trying to wrap up. So even after they have, like, their makeout session and they're essentially um, a couple, uh, he's like, when they're the best, he's like, do you mind if I, like, nap on your shoulder? Like, he's asking yeah. her that, which I thought was really sweet. But more importantly, when she sort of getting up her nerves to, to come and tell him that she likes him at the climactic scene. She has a letter that she's written him. Um, and she comes up to him and, and he, when he sees her, he's already like smiling. Like he feels like he knows that and he, she's, he's like, Oh, what's that in your hand? And she's like, Oh, nothing. And he like goes to take it playfully to read it. But then he's like, no, you know what? If you want me to have this, you need to give it to me, which is such like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't, all men just like ingrain that in their fucking heads. I thought that that was awesome. It was so great. And she has a really cute scene where she's like, okay, turn around while I tell you this. And then she right. asks him to turn around again. But yeah, like him sort of respecting her boundaries, especially considering this is a teen movie, um, is so great. There's no dis- real discussion about like virginity either, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Like, he, I don't think he is one, she is, but there's no. That doesn't even enter the equation. Yeah, because it's frankly. not. The, like, how many lesser movies would have that as a plot point? Plot point. And right. Instead, it's like everyone thinks we had sex, but we didn't. Yeah. Um. So I just I thought that the romance was like really, really healthy uh, and earnest. Exactly, it's healthy, earnest, sincere, impeccable. I was really happy with it. Um. So yeah, did you think it was a comedy? Um, yeah, it's fun. You know, it, it's very light. Sounds less so for you than the other aspects. Like, well, more romance than comedy. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, because it, it, it is fun, and I remember being light. I can't really remember a joke. And it's I remember a few points where you laughed. But, um, but yeah, but it's like... You but, really laughed at that Jake Ryan line, where they're watching 16 Candles, and he's like, well, why do you like this movie with this racist character? And Kitty's like, duh, Jake Ryan. And he goes... I'm way hotter than that guy, or yeah, way cool. better looking than that guy. Yeah, I just like I just like the the, the bravado. Of yeah, me too. Um, but that's, that's a well-done character moment. But it's the thing. It's like it's little things like that. It's like little asides and like so, you know, quick bond mode type of things. Like it's not like big dramatic laugh lines or, or like sure, a lot of the humor came from John Corbett. Um, yeah, that's there's too. the rubber scene, right? Exactly. And actually, I should say that that scene, the humor comes from both him and Lana Condor. Right. Like, no, like, no, no. He's like, have a good time, and she's like, oh, I have a lot of rubbers for that specifically. Yeah. And there's also the point where he's like starting to talk to her about sex and she's like alright let's end this <laughs> like her delivery of, yeah. in that car no, yeah, yeah, she go ahead the, you know, so it's one of those things where again, it's all very light and, and there's very... also the the scene you really liked sorry I'm just reminding you where, you where things you thought were funny this is a healthy part of the podcast um, where Chris is asking him why he's a gynecologist and he's all like right. I'm gonna go now yeah that's but yeah I mean so it's, it's a lot of stuff like that where it's like it's not significant it's not relevant yeah. It's just it's just there for flavor. Um, I would say that the humor isn't woven into the plot. The humor is sort of an, an ancillary scene. Yeah, it's, and it's like circumstantial. While, it's circumstantial to the funny. people. The way yeah. it's like the way like, like people are funny in life. Yeah. Um, it's not it's it's not like this big orchestrated thing. Just you know, yeah, like someone says something a little funny or someone's a little you know. You're talking about about like the condoms thing. I'm like, how much? Like, did you not expect that to come up again? For somebody to be like, why do you have this giant thing yeah. of condoms? And it didn't, and I find that kind of cool. No, yeah, because a, a lot of there's a lot of stuff that could have easily been done in, in a more hacky way, and they were just like, no, this is a thing, exactly. and then we're gonna move on from it. Like even like like the morning after the hot tub, like things things sort of blow up pretty quickly. But there's a shot of Laura, of Laura Jean sort of waking up right after they have this like relationship moment the night before, and she's just 
starts to think to herself and she looks happy and it's like the first time I watched it and even the second time just something about the framing of the shot you're expecting something terrible to happen immediately right, right? like in a, in a rom-com sense not like a nuke is gonna drop but just like like you're expecting like somebody to be like you know confronting her or like all of a sudden for her to realize that something is wrong but about what right. happened before but it's just like a scene where she where you see that she's really happy about what happened and then of course things things escalate after that but I, I I sort of like that it has these little things that don't blow up which is really great um, so if it was on TBS would you watch it? Um, I think if I was in the right frame of mind for it um, you know because again it's something that's not you know it's not laugh out loud funny in the way that like oh I can just like sit down and like watch the segment because I really like the gag in this oh, I um, see. Okay. so if it's something but but if I was in the place where I'm like yeah you know I could just use like a nice earnest like the way you described before like a you know warm blanket of like yeah. romance you know like to relax in yeah. like sure but um you know but because it doesn't have like that overt like tangible humor in the same way that like some other rom coms might it's not something that I, I would slash onto saying um, because it's it's light enough that. Um, theoretically, if you were flipping channels and you came in like part part of the way through the movie, even in the early beginning, there's for you there's no one scene that like hooks you right, right away to being like, oh, I must watch this. Right. Okay, I get it. Um, so I can understand that, but I feel like I'm always going to be in the mood for this type of movie. Well, no, it'd be like the way you rewatch well. Gilmore Girls and stuff. It's just like exactly. it's a nice comfort food. Except for of. without me start turning to like a hate watch thing. I have a complicated relationship with Gilmore Girls. We'll That's a subject that for another podcast. Yes. Um, but no, I think it's, it's, it's sweet enough and delightful enough that I, I can imagine this going into my regular rotation. I probably will. Um, so that's great. And I'm really happy that yeah. Netflix made this. I'm hoping that they make more. Like I said, there is a mid-credits scene, so, and, and there are other books, so I would hope that with the apparently massive success of the movie that they would make sequels, but who knows? Like I said, I think these Noah Centineo and, and Lana Condor especially are, like, blowing up yeah. uh, in terms of their star power, so I wonder um, if they're going to be up making a new, another one. I hope so. They both seem also, like, just sweet, delightful people. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would watch it again and I will watch it again so Brendan where can people find you online find me at BF Hodgson on Twitter and you can check out my comic book reviews on Doom Rocket um and Sharon, where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at Lala Lugashi you can also find Meeting Cute on Twitter at Meeting underscore Cute very complex I know um, I don't want to use names of people that haven't given us permission to but I do just want to give a shout out to our um, listener, listener. <laughs> I was like audience member to our listener who suggested this um, you know who you are and I'm really glad that you did and that we finally sat down to watch it because it is really 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 sweet and, and I think very worth really, it yeah worth it and a great thing to discuss so thank you mm-hmm. um, if you have anybody has other suggestions please reach out to us at meeting us for cute or on the website meetingcutepodcast.com we think we know what we're covering next. But let's not hold our breath on anything yet. I may have referenced it earlier. Possibly. Maybe. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure, but you guys will have to wait and I'll see. leave you in 